Welcome to Always Listening. We are your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Locked On Jay. <laughs> and we are always listening. Jay, you got a job, a J-O-B. I did. I did. Uh, Have you watched we the... We can finally talk about it. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's really funny, not to get tangentized already, but uh, do you watch that show on becoming a god in uh, Central Florida? I haven't. Is it good? It's, it keeps adver- it's uh, Amazon Prime and Apple TV both keep ad- advertising it to me. Yeah, it's on Showtime uh, with uh, Kirsten Dunst, and uh, I'm enjoying it. I haven't figured out. I think I've read that it's supposedly supposed to be based in like the late '80s, early '90s, mm. but 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 it could easily be based on based in today's you know current atmosphere. But essentially, there's this company. They're like the Agway or Amway of uh, of of this particular universe, and um, you know, uh, Kirsten Dunn's husband uh, was big into it. He bought all in, but he was, you know, they were struggling. They weren't making any money on this pyramid scheme. They're like, what the heck? Nothing's happening. We're not making any money. And so he dies and like, she sort of, she's got no other choice. She's got to, she's got to jump in all in on this because she's got a baby and she's got to figure out how to survive. And it's kind of interesting. It's just, uh. It's a interesting way to to watch like the business dim- dynamics of these two people. And one of the things about this fam, which is the company, is they don't allow you to say words like job. You have to spell it. <laughs> I've got a job. I don't like it. I hate it. I hate my boss. You know all this. <laughs> so when you spelt out job, I was like, oh my god, get out of fam now. Get out of fam. Don't um, do it. But let's do, that's very interesting, and now I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it up a little higher on my list. There's too much TV to watch, isn't there, Jay? Like There's Kelly and I, we get to the end of the day, and it's like, okay, what would you, what do you want to watch tonight? And we've got like a list. We feel like we got to choose from. It's it's paralyzing at times. Uh, and there's more coming. Disney Plus and 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 uh, Apple Plus, uh, Apple TV Plus Shh. are both on their way. This NBC Universal's got their thing coming. I I subscribe to Disney Plus. My wife doesn't know. Don't let her. <laughs> don't let her know. <laughs> Uh, I am I am very excited. I got a I got a thing in the in my email the other day. I haven't set it up yet, but I got an offer to sign up for two or three years at a discounted rate or whatever, which is really Ooh, smart on their part, I didn't get right? That. Like getting a, I got the well, one I'm year a, deal. I'm a Disney movie rewards uh, customer oh, or something like that. So I've got a, a like a long term thing, and they they pitched it to me a two year deal and a three year deal. It's brilliant on their part if you think about it. Like, hey, give me first of all, it's a lot of money in the bank, right? Like, it's a lot of money right. to use to to make new content, but also it's proof of concept. It's a guarantee to your creators and to your corporate board to say, now we got a runway for this thing. We've got three years worth of support for from this many customers already. We're going to be able to grow it and expand it worldwide, and this is going to be a very successful initiative for us. It's a very, very um, smart move on, on Bob Iger's part. Uh, none of that is what we're talking about today, though. Jim. Man, we Let's just go back. See, look at all those tangents always, we just went tangents. on. My gosh. Uh, it's, here's the deal. You are a you are a intelligent, uh, uh, a passionate man who I oh, appreciate continue. the opinion of, and I like to share my opinion with you on basically everything. Let's talk a little bit about though about that job. So the announcement was made last week. You are the new executive producer for Locked On Sports Network. Their first executive producer, right? They're a, yes. a young burgeoning network expanding out. Yes. Uh, so uh, the network itself was founded by David Locke. Uh, if you don't know who David Locke is, he is the voice of the Utah Jazz, and uh, he looked at 
sports podcasting about three or four years ago and said, all these people that are creating sports podcasts are looking at it from a national perspective, but podcasting is about the niches. So let's create a podcast about each specific team. Now, he knew he wasn't going to be able to do that all by himself. There are way too many teams, even in the NBA, which is where he is an expert. Uh, he, he, there was no way he was going to be able to do 30-plus podcasts about each individual NBA team. So he created a network of shows that all sort of signed on to the Locked On Network. And he started with the NBA. He created an NFL channel. They created an MLB channel. And now they've gone to a point where they need to be focused on almost all the sports. And so there's a hockey channel that's being created. I'm sort of tangentially uh, responsible for that, but we have a producer that was also hired. I felt so bad about the two other guys, uh, Sean and Doug, uh, who are also who are also hired at the same time as me. Uh, they got like a little paragraph at the end of the press release. I, I was like, that's not fair. They're just as important as I am. Uh, but anyway, uh, so they're in charge. So he's in charge of the hockey channel. I'm in charge of building up the college football channel. They had a few shows, but really not enough coverage. And I've already brought in a couple of shows to the network uh, since even the announcement was made. So uh, we're growing and we're trying to grow rapidly. And I am still very much interested in college football podcasters. So if you have a college football podcast, please feel free to reach out to me. Like I just said, there were others that have and have already been brought into the network. And I very much am looking forward to their first shows on the Locked On team. Uh, you know, I'm first of all, I'm happy for you. Obviously, I'm happy for you. We talked about it on this show for a while. You've been, um, you know, seeking uh, a, a serious employment for a long time now. You were sort of putting it together with uh, consulting work and, and individual stuff uh, with clients. But that's not really that's not your back. That's my back. That's not what you really <laughs> want to be doing. So so I'm glad now. And the whole time, too, we were talking off the air about you wanted to get back into creation. Uh, you wanted right. to get back into creativity, to to uh, executive production in particular, because one of your best talents is managing other creatives. You know, is editing a show or an idea, polishing and and producing and helping somebody take something from good to great. You know, that is what where your skill really lies. So I'm tickled, man, especially because it is focused on the sports world. I think that's that's great for you. I mean, the, I certainly have enough experience in that regard in that arena so for all those other sports places that sent me rejection letters <laughs> too bad for you you're off the market now Man. uh and and the the cool thing that i thought about the press release by the way is that they make it clear um you know locked on's not done this year right they've got no. some more plans for the fall and and throughout uh the rest of 2020 as well i think there are a lot there's a lot of expansion that is going to happen Obviously, right now, uh, Joel, if you haven't noticed, the college football season already began. <laughs> so, yeah. so we're trying to ramp that up as quickly as we possibly can, uh, knowing that we're in the middle of the season, knowing that this year is really about building a very strong foundation uh, and, and really hitting it with everything we got, the entire power of the network, so to speak, uh, for next season. But we really need to build a really strong foundation right now. And that's what we're looking to do right now. Uh, but there are other avenues that were mentioned um, that I probably can't speak out loud that we'll be, that we'll be looking to expand into. Um, not all of them are necessarily, let's say, physical games. Just I'll, I'll leave it at that. And you can use your imagination what that possibly means. Uh, so 
They're, I'm really excited. And and what was also mentioned in that press release was the partnership with Google. That is a, a big deal um, that we're very excited about that, you know, people are going to start asking, you know, their Google Home assistants about getting the local news on their local sports team. And they're going to hear a locked on host telling them all about it. So that's something that we're very excited about um, and can't wait to provide more information and more sports news directly to your earbuds. That's awesome, man. And uh, the good news is from now on in the show notes, uh, your new email will be linked. Go ahead and tell everybody that, though, too, if they've got a college sports show especially that they want to reach out to you about. Podvader at LockedOnPodcasts.com. Very easy. That's it. That is it. You know, one of the things that we, we talked about as we've been evolving the show is sort of uh, usable points of view. Mm-hmm. And I did spend a good portion of a year um, looking for another employer to to sort of bring me on. And I will just tell you that there are definitely a lot of opportunities for podcasters out there. And they are available on all of the common job boards, you know, Indeed, Monster. Sign up for those newsletters. Sign up for the dailies. You're going to see new opportunities every single day with a lot of different places. There were a lot of smaller uh, podcasts that would advertise on Indeed, and there is obviously a lot of large corporations that advertise on Indeed as well. Uh, Get yourself involved in getting those newsletters as frequently as possible. Get yourself involved on LinkedIn. It's a great place to make connections, uh, which tend to be, especially in the media, uh, probably the biggest, uh, you know, tool in your pocket, so to speak, is you got to know people. Um, It's not just all about how well you do. It's also about who you know. And if you don't know anybody, LinkedIn's a great way to start making those connections, start building a relationship uh, with people that you know will eventually be in a position to put you in a position of uh, success. It's about being top of mind, I think, so much. It's one of the things that I banged on you about this this whole time that you've been sitting out is a website, right? Right. Because I, I feel like Google is the number one place where people might be looking. Yeah, LinkedIn is important. But even from LinkedIn, you, you want to be able to link out to something. You want to have a, a URL that people can go to that collects all of your work or your credentials or your uh, the shows that you're currently working on. You know, if you're just a personal podcaster, if you've got shows of your own, but that's sort of your portfolio that you're trying to show off to establish your credentials to get a job in the industry, the way to do that is putting them all on one website. You put them all together, you make them presentable in a professional way, and then you literally hold that out and say, this is my calling card. This is what I do, and this is who I am, and this is what I have on online. Um, we're going to talk some more specifically about that because I, I really like the idea of you know, one of the things that I, I think about a lot is tailoring my resume for voiceover and for acting gigs, trying to pursue more of that stuff. And it's very specifically about like, as you gain new experiences and, and new, um, uh, you know, job listings, you, you sort of go back and look at the old ones and you call, you replace the best with the, with, for the worst, you know, you get rid of the oldest or the least impressive and you put that new one up there. Um, so we're going to talk about what makes a job 
a more important for your credentials or, or more respectful for the industry at large? What makes it further down on the list maybe, or one to drop off the list as you add new uh, responsibilities? We'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. That's a very, very good idea. And I definitely want to talk about the website thing because I ultimately didn't create a website for myself and it wasn't because I didn't want to. It's because as I laid out the, the cost of doing so, and the resources required to do so, I felt my resources were better spent in other places than the website. Now, I would agree with you. I think if I did have a website, I may have had a job earlier. Um, for all of those that believe in the plan, I do ultimately believe I ended up in the exact perfect place yeah. for me. I mean, I have a dream job of an executive producer, which is exactly what I, whenever anyone asked me, so what do you want to do Executive producer was exactly what I described. The role that I have is exactly what I described. And I happen to be in sports, which has been a majority of my career. So I couldn't be happier and I couldn't have been found a better place than locked on. Huzzah. Huzzah. Um, all right. Now, Overcast, uh, which is my app of choice. Uh, I use it on my iPhone and iPad. I absolutely love it. It's supposed to be coming to uh, the Mac sometime in the next um uh, year or so as uh, Catalina rolls out across Mac OS. Overcast now supports that's, that's right. <laughs> Overcast now supports ad purchasing for Apple Podcasts new top level categories added this summer fiction, history, and true crime. Um, so and there's a link in the show notes to the tweet which includes and these prices aren't probably current anymore but they were current as of the time of this tweet uh, the ad prices for the different categories uh, within Overcast. I think this is an opportunity that not enough people know about or think about or talk about. Overcast is one of the few places. Spotify is another. You can in fact advertise on Spotify directly against their uh, podcast directory but in the Overcast app if I'm using it and I'm listening to a podcast in a particular genre, then ads are presented at the bottom. Very tasteful ad. Hey, I pay for Overcast, by the way. I'm a yearly subscriber so that I can get all the features that he offers, and I still turn the ads back on because I find them interesting and useful. They are not distracting. They're not uh, uh, harmful to my experience at all. I enjoy them. I think the vast majority of Marco's users do uh, view those ads. Some of them click through. I love the way that he lays it out. He's got the price, how many slots are available, the taps that you can expect, and the subscriptions to your podcast that you can expect based on the data that he's received so far from other advertisers. It's super, super easy there to calculate your expected ROI. And therefore, you can make the calculation for yourself whether this is an advertisement, whether this is an expenditure, a marketing expenditure that's right for you. The cool thing is he's now added support for those new top three categories, fiction, history, and true crime. And he said he would have done it sooner. He waited, though, <laughs> until there were enough podcasts that had self-identified in those categories or else your ads would have been – they wouldn't have been presented often enough. So it wouldn't have really made any sense. Um but I think that's very, very cool. I think it's interesting that he is uh, rolling out support for that. And it makes me think, Jay, we might be getting closer to kind of a standardization across the industry on these new categories. We wondered when Apple rolled them out, would Spotify accept these? Would Stitcher now have these same categories as well? 
would Spreaker in their directory have these categories as well? Uh, most of the media hosts have now supported them for your podcast. You can use these new categories if you want to roll out to your RSS feed. And I think this is a sign that maybe we'll see more third-party apps support those categories as well. That's exciting to me. I want to talk about that ROI because as a sports podcaster, you see the price of $210 uh, for 85 to 100 new subscriptions. And that's an estimate. And whenever I see an estimate, I immediately cut that <laughs> number down by about 50%. So do I really want to pay 200 bucks to get 40 new subscribers? I don't know if that's worth it to me. Now, I'm complaining about that. I think the most expensive one is business at 700 bucks to get 100 to 150 new subscribers. I don't count taps. You know, to me, taps mean absolutely nothing. Uh, so it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you're going to get 2,500 taps. Yeah, well, guess what? That doesn't put any money back into my pocket. The only thing that does is the subscribers. So... It's what drives me nuts about Facebook, too, because I ran some Facebook. I was running um, a system that was put out there, and I will recommend it because uh, it, it was proven for at least him, uh, if not for me. Uh, it was uh, Portland Pod. Uh, what is his name? It's going to Tanner. Tanner Campbell. And I had put out a, uh, a link, and I could probably put it in our show notes here for everybody to also use, about... Uh, the system he used for Facebook ads. And uh, to a degree, uh, it did work in sort of upping the amount of uh, shows that, you know, people actually saw it and the um, number of impressions that that particular ad made. I will tell you right now, I spent $7 on an ad that reached 6,000 people, had 8,757 impressions. But, Joel, what I really wanted them to do was click the link to go listen to my podcast. So how many of that 8,757 people that I impressed do you think actually clicked on the link to listen to the podcast? Less than 800. I would say less than 10%. Try 13. Ugh. 13 single individual? Like, like 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, yep. 11, 12, 13. 13 unique <laughs> link clicks to that particular ad. So it's funny because Facebook goes, this was a very successful ad. You only paid, uh, you paid less, let's see, 0 0.005 cents per post engagement. However, the engagement I had was not the engagement I wanted. Uh, right. and, and by the way, that came with a learn more button on the ad. So it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a difficult a thing to figure out. It was, oh, yeah. yeah. It was a click the button and, and click the link because the link was on the button too, and it didn't result in that action. So that's the the to me, Overcast is always going to be a more valuable advertisement opportunity than like a Facebook or a Twitter because the action that you want people to take, which is to listen or subscribe to a podcast, is what they're doing already in that app, right? Whereas in Facebook and Twitter, people are not listening to podcasts. They might. Come and find your podcast to listen to later then, perhaps, uh, in Facebook or Twitter. But they're not actually listening to the content there. Um, but to that I point, mean, I don't – if you look, you look at this sports thing, for instance, you, you look at those numbers. Okay, you say 
where is it? Sports two hundred and ten dollars, and I'm going to get. Okay, let's even let's let's say you're right. Let's half that did. and say we're going to get fifty. Let's say we're going to get fifty subscribers uh, out of that two hundred bucks. That's what is that four dollars a subscriber acquisition rate? Right at yeah, which is which is not expensive. bad. I mean, but it's expensive. expensive. It's it's expensive for us. I agree. For most hobbyist podcasters, it's expensive. But when you talk to businesses, four dollars per acquisition for new customer is not very high. Like I I don't think, and particularly Fair. when when you know you're talking to the audience already. Like that's the beauty of Overcast. Um, I do think that is very very exciting. But like I said, I complain about it. And the business category, it's seven hundred bucks an ad for a hundred to hundred and fifty new subscribers. That's Really high. Technologies five hundred. Uh there's some pretty expensive prices. Comedies four hundred and ten and they're sold out. Uh yeah. It's it's interesting. If if you were a fiction podcast, right now the price is only ninety bucks. I would definitely hop on it for ninety bucks. Cause doing my quick math, it cost me seven bucks to get thirteen on Facebook. So uh to get 130 that's only 10 that's times 10 so it's 70 dollars for me to get the same amount uh so I'll pay the extra 20 on overcast to sort of get that 100 new subscribers on uh, a fiction podcast of course that's not it's not known if that's exactly how many will come because there's not enough data yet but I would assume it's right around that general area cuz that's what it looks like with all of these shows they're between kids and family is is the lowest but oh i would say overcast isn't for kids and family i i think you're absolutely right it's sort of self-selecting the the number of of kids and family listeners that are using overcast as their primary podcasting app is is probably small you're absolutely right Hey, Jay, let me tell you about a sponsor. Thank you, by the way, to uh, all of the folks who make this podcast possible. You can sponsor the show, sponsor.alwayslisteningpod.com. Uh, this episode is brought to you in part by Just Podcasting. It's a seasonal show that explores podcasting life and culture. What is success in podcasting? What is the true cost of podcasting financially, energetically, physically? What's the impact on our lives? Can you really make money podcasting? What makes a podcaster cry? Those questions and more are answered in Just Podcasting. Um, every season, the uh, she asks the hard questions of real podcasters and podcasting professionals. Carrie Caulfield Arik is your host for JustPodcasting.com. Also... She's launching a course. She didn't have all of the details ready, but the landing page for the course is available now. You can sign up to get more information, and that's going to be in the show notes. Uh, the course is called Beyond the Edit, The Art of Audio Editing for Podcasters. Uh, it's a very interesting idea. It's a little different than what a lot of other people are offering out there. But if you want to become more artful in your edits, I think that is exactly what Carrie is going to bring to you. Uh, check out the link in the show notes. And thank you again, Carrie, and Just Podcasting for sponsoring this episode. Um, check that out. I'll tell you what makes podcasters cry. Yeah. Four, $4 uh, return of investment. <laughs> <laughs> That's what makes podcasters cry. <laughs> Uh, but oh, seriously, man. you should go support Carrie. I mean, they, they, how could you not? I want to learn how to be more artful with my edit, quite honestly. Hey, let me tell you what made me uh, tear up a little bit this week, Jay. Mm. I'm going to switch some stories around here. Um, Relay.fm is a podcast network that I am a big fan of. 
and I've been listening to their shows for several years. They actually just had their fifth anniversary or birthday. It's an anniversary, but the two guys who founded the network are determined to call it a, a birthday. So fine, we'll call it a birthday. Um, they're an independent podcast network focused on technology primarily. They started with like Apple-focused shows and then kind of expanded out from there. But let me tell you, they did a beautiful, beautiful thing this month. So in the month of September for several years, Jay, they have had a um, a fundraiser going where they donate money to St. Jude. One of the two founders of the network, uh, Stephen Hackett, his son is a patient of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. He uh, has uh, fought cancer for several years, basically his entire life, uh, this kid has. And St. Jude has been integral in him finding a high quality of life and extending that life. And, and I mean, I think this kid is going to have a wonderful, productive, normal length of uh, life now, and it's all due to these miracle workers at St. Jude. So obviously, Stephen is personally invested in giving back to this hospital and this cause. I'm way sold out on St. Jude. Uh, I, I got interested in them during my radio days. We did the Radiothon for years and years and years uh, in the country station that I worked for. And uh, I've, I've been to St. Jude. I've been to the hospital itself. I've been to their annual event where they bring in all of these country stars and the radio people to sort of hype them up to get ready for the Radiothon. It is really impactful to see the children and the families that have been affected by this. It's even more impactful, Jay, to see the people who have lost a child, who, who mm. failed in their, their battle, who weren't able to beat cancer, and yet continue to work with the hospital and with the fundraising uh, wing because they know that their sad story can be a happy ending for the next kid and for the next family. Um, that's what it's all about. So I say all of that preamble to say this. Relay.fm raised a boatload of money. So their goal was like $75,000. That's what it started at. And one of the ways they were going to raise that, one of the special ways they were going to do it this year is they were going to do, for the first time, a live podcast-a-thon on September 20th. That was last Friday. They were going to do a six-hour event at the hospital. Uh, Mike Hurley and Stephen Hackett were both going to be there on site. It worked out really, really cool because uh, September 20th was also iPhone release day. So they both got to have their new phones and, and do stuff with that on the air, which was kind of neat. Before they ever got to the live podcast-a-thon, though, they had already beat their goal. And so they had to raise it. They got through the podcast-a-thon, and they had to raise it again. Uh, after the podcast-a-thon, they were posting, hey, we're like, $10,000 away from an insane amount of money. <laughs> I wonder if we could make one more push. The month is not over yet, Jay. So they've still got, uh, as we're recording today, it's the 24th. They've still got like six more days where they could raise some more. But already they are over $250,000. A quarter of a million dollars raised for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. And uh, the link the, that, that celebrates this is in the show notes. It'll take you to Twitter, but also in that tweet is the link to donate. So if you have ever thought about St. Jude, if you've ever made a donation to them in the past, but you haven't in a while, I would, in, I would implore you, join in, pile on, let's make this something insane. Here's the really cool part for us and for you as an individual podcaster. Relay.fm was St. Jude's first 
podcast partner in fundraising. They've had this long-term relationship with radio stations, right? They've done the Radiothon for a long time, 20, 30 years, 40 years maybe. Uh, This is the first time they've done anything officially with a podcast or a podcast network. I think this will be the framework on which they offer something to the industry at large. I think it would not surprise me at all if next year or two years down the road, they have a framework where you can go as an individual podcaster, a hobbyist, whatever, and say, here's my show, here's my website URL. I would like to get your information and make a concerted effort to make uh, a donation to your hospital and to your um, charity. And I think that would be really, really cool. I know if they offer us that next year, Always Listening will absolutely take part officially and we'll we'll do that. I love St. Jude. I've made a donation to this through Relay.fm. I implore you to do so too. It's one of those charities too, like they spend all the money in the right, right. ways, right? They don't waste it. There's it's They're yep. super efficient with their money. Um, so I can't say enough good things about it. Congratulations, Mike and Stephen, and thank you for doing this. Thank you for putting it together. My mother is a cancer survivor, and one of the things she made sure to do when we went and visited my brother in Nashville, Tennessee, was to take a trip to St. Jude. That was something that she wanted to do desperately. And I will tell you, just being in that hospital just sort of changes your perspective on a whole lot of things. It's a it's a wonderful cause and it's a wonderful charity and, and something that I think is definitely very, very important. You know who I think St. Jude should work with to make this open to the entire industry would be International Podcast Day. I think it would make perfect sense to sort of team up with those guys and that's how you make it a real big industry event. Put it on that particular day, everybody gets involved and 250000 for one podcast is phenomenal, but... I think with the power of the entire podcasting industry on a day like International Podcast Day, which is pretty close enough to the St. Jude fundraising, it's September, it's the last day of September, uh, I, I think that just makes all the sense in the world. And I would, and I'm all for it. You're absolutely right. That's a, that's a great idea, Jay. As a matter of fact, I'm going to reach out to, um, to, to those folks and see if they have been paying attention to what Relay's doing, and maybe if we can plug some folks together. That would be a, a great idea for next year especially. Let's talk some stats, Jay. Amplify yeah. Media had an interesting story here. Uh, th- this came out of uh, Podcast Movement. It's funny how we still have more blogs to go over from Podcast Movement. It was a lot of great stuff. Uh, from that particular conference. And Steve Goldstein marked some stats, which uh, I think are very interesting and and sort of put a lot of the things that we do in podcasting in perspective. Uh, And he starts with uh, 1 million. Uh, That is the number of downloads Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend generates per episode. Just to put the 1 million in perspective for Conan O'Brien, that's considerably better than the 300,000 viewers of his TV show on TBS. That's amazing. I that that is a pretty startling figure to think about. Although I mean in in many ways in the modern media landscape isn't Conan is it Conan a bigger brand than TBS in some ways? I mean it's yeah. not that hard yeah. to believe. Yeah. I mean listen, it's cable. Uh there's there is a there's a more diverse audience on cable than there's going to be even on the big 3, but the big 3 is feeling and when I say big three, it's actually a big four 
uh, I keep forgetting that Fox, every time what, something was once labeled, <laughs> I, know, I keep forgetting that, you know, evolution happens. Uh, and and well, it's, it's funny, Fox has been around forever, and, it's, and really the C-dub might even want to throw their hat into the ring and be like, hey, we're part of that big five. So here's the thing, though, that's weird. And I, I was actually thinking about this the other day. We won't really see it this year, probably not even next year necessarily. But Fox is now a network without a studio connected to it. The Fox studio, television studio, is now owned by Disney. They're not going to be making products, you would imagine, with the idea of going to the Fox network anymore. They're going to be going to Disney Plus and to Disney Channel and to all of the other cable products that Disney has, ABC and all of their extended channels as well. Um, I don't know. Fox might end up with like nothing but reality and sports pretty soon. <laughs> and even then, Disney owns ESPN. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, it's, uh, um, yeah, the, the Fox <laughs> thing is interesting. But the, I thought Conan's getting... Bigger, dwarfing his audience. Yeah, I mean, getting, three times the a bigger audience, audience on, a podcast. on a podcast than he is on his TV show. Um, and by the way, there's going to be a number a little bit later on uh, that that will also you're going to start going. Ooh, maybe you got to pay more attention to this. Uh, three hundred thousand. Uh, that is the average number of podcast downloads for Rachel Maddow's uh, MSNBC TV show. Her time shifted podcast content is often discounted by TV, but. Her TV show averages about two and a half million viewers. So with 300,000 listeners downloads on a podcast, uh, she's getting an additional 12% boost to her show's circulation. Uh, and who wouldn't want a 12% boost in your numbers? I mean, that that's very akin to when, when DVR first started getting counted, when they first started adding in like the seven days after, you know, airing uh, numbers. There were certain shows that would go from like, eh, that's an okay show, to very high in the ratings because their viewers, a large segment of them, were those seven days after. They were watching it the next day or two days later or three days later on DVR. They were DVR users. Um, but those numbers, Jay, were like 10 15%. If you would get 10, 10 or 15% of add-ons of those DVR viewers, that would be like a huge boost. And Heroes, for instance, on NBC – the reason why it lasted as many seasons as it did, the reason why it was brought back for a reboot was because of the DVR viewers. And it was like 10 or 15%, which is what Matt Al is talking about here. Right. And uh, that two and a half million viewers to her TV show, right? Uh, well, Pod Save America gets two million downloads per episode. That's according to Variety. I mean, Steve has got the links to, to, to where he's getting all of these stats from, just so you know. So so it's not like we're speaking out of turn. Uh, and the link to Steve's article is in our show notes. Uh, but yeah, Pod Save America is doing pretty much just as well as Rachel Maddow is doing on television. So the thing that I'll say there, it's interesting to me that w these things are not necessarily apples to apples and oranges to oranges because, Jay, you look at those numbers and I would say, well, why aren't the Pod Save America guys, why don't they have their own network? Why aren't they, why don't they have a nightly show on one of these cable uh, outlets, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? They tried it, honestly, and it wasn't very successful. HBO had a Pod Save America show. Uh, now, it wasn't a regular show. It was like a special event. They did four of them, I think. They were kind of terrible. They didn't have the same feel as the podcast. Uh, the guys didn't come off the same way, well, and they weren't they weren't highly rated. When you ask those types of questions, uh, 
there's a buddy of mine who does a uh, reality television network, uh, and and there's and his shows are basically all recaps of the CBS. Uh, television shows and I was talking to him and I was like you know CBS is doing some digital stuff like why aren't you the guy that they you know why aren't they partnering up with you and he's like well quite honestly I like the freedom I have I don't have to listen to a suit tell me I can't do this or I can't do this you know if I do a bit about a particular you know event that happened on the show I may not be allowed to do that uh, with CBS because CBS would be like, uh, it's, it's too much. It's you're making too much fun of, of that particular person. It's like, I just don't need that sort of headache. Same thing with pod save America. I mean, those guys are a little bit irre- irreverent. Uh, and even though it's HBO, it's still one of those things where there's going to be a suit. There's going to be an executive producer, uh, who doesn't understand what the concept of the show is and how it resonates with that particular audience, and they're going to try and make it fit into what they know works on their particular channel, and that's where the clash ends up happening. There isn't a meeting of the minds there between the creatives. Jordan Harbinger uh, apparently gets 250,000 downloads per episode. Uh, it comes from the New York Times. Uh we talked about this with uh, with Tom Webster uh, talking about uh, veteran podcast listeners versus newbies. Over half of the rookies, uh, 54%, are aged 12 to 34, uh, which is a very attractive and difficult to duplicate demographic uh, for advertisers, that, that 12 to 34. 54% of rookies are of the younger variety. Malcolm Gladwell, we know how popular he can be. Well, how popular is he? How about up to 3 million downloads per episode? That's uh, that's pretty good. Uh, this is what I was talking about before with Conan O'Brien. Uh, 32%, uh, that is the percent of Apple's top 200 podcasts hosted by celebrities or influencers in 2018. The prior year, that would be 2017 for those of you who don't do math, uh, it was only 20%. Uh, and as of the middle of this year, uh, that being 2019, again, for those who don't do math, 77 of the top 200, that's 36% are celebrity-based. Uh, so you can see how quickly podcasting is becoming more and more star-centric when it comes to pointing out new shows and how they chart. Now, I want to make a, the important note here that we know that the uh, Apple's charts are not necessarily charting the actual size of the audience, just the number of new subscribers in a measured amount of time. And people will tell you what that algorithm actually is and what it isn't. The point is the top 200 podcasts on Apple is not a reflection of the actual size of a show, just the popularity of the show within a short period of time. Um, that said, it's still a good indicator to see trends like stars getting involved in the podcasting space. 750,000 uh, is the number that we're going with so far as of September 5th in Apple Podcasts. A ginormous number. Uh, this is Rob Walsh's baby for sure. Of the 750,000 podcasts, there's only 28 uh, that have gotten TV production deals. So I, I know a know lot of people... You- make a big deal about that but it's it's such a small small number of actual podcasts that are getting tv deals uh from being podcasts i would i would love to see the list because i feel like i mean i do 
I understand his idea there. It's not your show is not getting a TV deal. That's his point with that statistic. However, I feel like that's not an. I feel like if we added them all up, it's over twenty eight now. I I mean, I feel like there's another one added like every week or two. Heck, I just saw. What was it? Uh, Limetown. Facebook Watch is doing Limetown with Jessica Alba or or whatever. Uh, like they've been promoting that heavily over the last oh. week or so. Jessica anyway. Alba is involved. I might watch that. She, uh, I thought wife. so too. I <laughs> I'd say wife. Jessica Alba. Maybe it's not. There's two. There's two actresses that look just alike, and I always get them confused. One of them was on Seventh Heaven, and the other one wasn't. <laughs> oh well, the other one is Justin Timberlake's uh, wife. Um, uh, Beal, Jessica Beal. Yes, so Wait, Jessica Alba, Jessica, Jessica yes, Beal, yes. and I can't remember which one is which ever. I'm like face blind for the two of them. I guess I don't know. Um, I I think that's both exciting. Very attractive women. Yeah, they're both very beautiful and like kind of blonde. Like they, they have a similar build build to like it's not. And they're both named Jessica. Like it's not. It's, right. not, it's difficult for me to keep them straight. Um, but yeah, the point the point is your show, the exit strategy for your show is not becoming a, t- a television show. That's not right. what's going to happen with your podcast, probably. And that is true today and tomorrow as well. And quite honestly, if you're going into a podcast with an exit strategy, just exit now, please. Yeah. Show yourself yeah, like the there, door. Are, there, are other, there are other avenues to pursue if what you really want is you know, entrepreneurship. Uh, podcast is probably not the, the central goal of that. I love uh, this stat. Which Dr. one? Dr. Death, Wondery's oh, yeah? Dr. Death podcast is now available in seven different languages. I had not really considered, um, you know, translation of podcasts. Fictional podcasts, it makes perfect sense, obviously. But even, Jay, there are a lot of uh, news and commentary podcasts that you could probably justify having a Spanish language version and an English language version, maybe even a French language version. Um, you know, maybe you don't need seven different languages covered, uh, for, for most, uh, content or topics, but I, I see an opportunity here. Well, here, here are the languages that I, uh, that I could do. Uh, I can't do really Spanish. I pretty much only know Ola. Uh, I spent, all of my high school years learning French, but all I really remember is bonjour. <laughs> I could do dude. Like, dude, man. We could translate this podcast into dude language. It would be dope, dude. <laughs> is that not a language? Is that not officially recognized? No. Pig Latin. No. We could do always listening in Igpe Atenlay. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> Please, no. <laughs> 6.75 million is the number of unique Barstool Sports podcast listeners in July 2019, edging ESPN. Podcasts now represent one-third of Barstool's revenue. By the way, that number was given by Variety, and I'm guessing they took that number from... Uh, PodTrack? Yeah, probably. I I always question, not just Barstool, I question anything that says unique podcast listeners uh i don't i don't buy it i don't i don't at all believe that that's a real number that you're reporting on i'm sure it's a number that they provide for you i just don't believe that it's a real number well just think about espn jay i mean you know because you interacted with the listeners sometime sometimes many of those listeners don't listen to one ESPN podcast they listen to 15 ESPN podcasts and how could you possibly know and quantify 
all of these, you know, it's 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 not just John listening to all of these. And Barstool's got a number of podcasts in their repertoire as well. So I'm sure there's a person that's listening to multiple Barstool podcasts. They're not just listening to one individual podcast. The other thing is ESPN's strategy with podcasting has grown uh, since I was even there. Uh, and they want to be everywhere that podcast listeners are. So, for instance, the show I used to work on, The Fantasy Focus, streams live on Twitter uh, five days a week. Uh, and that number of listeners is obviously different than the podcast listeners, which takes away the number of podcasts. If you were to combine all the listens to the Fantasy Focus from all of the different platforms that it's on, Matthew Berry's got his fantasy show that's on ESPN+. It's a different way. It's a different way of thinking about what the audience is. Yes, there might be some crossover between the people that are watching Matthew Barry's fantasy show and listening to the Fantasy Focus, but the, I guarantee there's a very, very small amount of people that are watching and listening to the show live on Twitter and then downloading it again to listen to it in podcast form because it's the exact same content. Um, so it's just that they they're not necessarily tied into the, well, our Apple number is this. They're more interested in their overall reach of of the show, too. Uh, so that would obviously change their podcast uniques uh, in that regard. So explain this last number to me. Or, well, yeah, it's the, the last number. That, yeah. And then there's a silly fun fact. Two I don't million. care about they the silly that, fun fact. They say that podcast uh, Google is indexing 2 million podcasts for transcription. Do they mean... I mean, they don't mean 2 million podcast shows because we just talked about right. there's only 750,000, right? right? 2 million podcast episodes? Is that what they're talking about here? That's what I think so. But but that even when like you do that, many. no, because if there's 750,000 yeah. shows... We all get you, two. Yeah, you get two. Exactly. That's it. Our, our most recent two episodes are, are being transcribed for search, search I guess. Um, I don't... I mean, I obviously they're rolling that out in the same way that Apple is rolling transcription out. It's, it's selected. There's, there's a process. I'm sure there's an algorithm for how they're figuring out which shows to do it to, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but it, the other numbers are quite impressive. That one seems small. If you're going to index the transcripts for podcasts, you need way more than 2 million episodes to make a dent. Yeah, it definitely seems small. And I think as uh, they perfect the AI, that number will grow. But we've already seen the results of it happening right now. It's 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 gotten even better than when we first saw it happening. You know, if you search Next Fan Up, you actually see Next Fan Up episodes now. I'm very happy about that. Uh, I'm sure it's not because I complained about it on this show. It's because <laughs> whatever it was that they were doing to index got better. So, uh yeah, it's that's a number that I think will uh will grow. And again, it comes down to like the use of language, right? So we say 2 million podcasts, but it's really 2 million episodes. It, because if I say 2 million podcasts, well I just said there's 750,000 podcasts. So it the word podcast gets interchanged with with episodes and shows and other things and that's where things can get confusing with the use of the word podcast. Um, but anyway, speaking of podcasts, I think we've come to the end of this one. Uh, yes, we uh, we have. We are about to wrap things up. Let me say thank you to our final sponsor for today. This episode was brought to you as well by Next Up Transition Curriculum. 
Teachers and parents share one concern about high school students. Is my student going to be successful in employment? Right, Whether they're going to college or not, we worry about the job. We worry about their independence. Next up is a transition curriculum that prepares students for success in the transition out of high school and into employment or post-secondary education. Next up is developed by special education and transition professionals with the needs of students and schools in mind. The curriculum is video-based for relevance with the YouTube generation. These kids are used to watching videos and having fun, wasting time on the internet. That's exactly what the curriculum is like for them. Teachers receive full lesson plans every week with pre and post assessments and extension activities to reinforce the information covered too. Students receive critical pre-employment on the job and independent living skills uh, training through Next Up's relevant and interactive curriculum. If you're an educator, a parent, or just an active community member that would like to see a strong workforce come out of your local school district, then learn more about Next up, and download one free Next Up lesson at transitioncurriculum.com. The link, again, is transitioncurriculum.com, and it's in the show notes. Join the transition education revolution. Next up, founded by Corey Finneran. Uh, we mentioned him a couple of weeks ago. He's the host of the Ivy Envy podcast. He's one of our buddies from the podcasting world, but this is a great example of taking your experience and your uh, skills that you've developed making content for your audience and using it in the real world, using it in the business world. He's not monetizing his show through advertisement. Well, I think he does that too on Ivy Envy, but he's monetizing his skills by making a career. Very, very cool. And next up curriculum, not to be confused with the next fan up curriculum, where we're only giving you gambling tips, maybe some fantasy football advice, you know, where and and you're certainly not learning anything from listening to us. I get, I got only got eight right last week. I mean, that's 50. That's only 50 percent. I mean, what the hell do I know? The previous week I did pretty good. And the first week of the season I did horrible. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, much better to listen to next up curriculum and maybe they could give uh, football gambling tips better than I. Well, what happens is when your gambling falls apart, you're going to need a career to fall back on. Next there you up go. To help you develop a trade. Uh, Jay, that's, that's the real answer. Got to get that J O B baby. Oh, <laughs> Every uh, time speaking you of J O B, uh, where can, where can people find you, uh, Jay in your new J O B if they want to talk to you about uh, college sports? College sports podcasters, especially, but listen, even if you're doing a regular sports podcast, I'd love to talk with you. Uh, maybe you have an interest in college sports, but uh, we are expanding at the Locked On Network, and so I would love to talk to you about your sports podcast. Podvader at lockedonpodcasts.com is the way to get in touch with me. Uh, awesome. You can find me at propodcastingservices.com or on Twitter at The Rogues Life or podcasting underscore pro. That is my business account. And uh, we'll be back here again next week with some more commentary and news for you about the podcasting industry. Until we talk to you again, we've been your hosts. I'm Joel. I'm Jay. Really not a, you know, football betting degenerate. Really not. <laughs> and we are always listening. Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find all of our past episodes, including more than 100 podcast reviews, 
at alwayslisteningpod.com in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. For help on your podcast, visit propodcastingservices.com. Our theme song is Enough from Bethany Raver. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.